Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and as I lay dying, all want a beer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner, and starting with a beer. This is Narrative on Reality <laughs> by Alawife. Oh, I'm sorry, Alewife. Um, and... Narrative on reality, because this book is all about narrative, and you're not sure about the reality for the entire thing. And it is a New England IPA. Okay. If you, if you don't know what it is, that's a very good thing to guess these days. Got like a 50-50 shot. Ooh. Bright, like a summer day. And kind of real. Day that'll make a, <laughs> that's the kind of day that'll make a body stink. Most days will, but those will especially... And this book is a whole a whole week of those days. Especially when you're hotboxing it. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, this is what is Spoiler. It? 7.6%. <laughs> it's spoiled. <laughs> but this beer is not. It's very lovely. <laughs> so somebody recommended this to us. Do we remember who it was? Someone sent us a message saying we should read a Faulkner book. And we picked the most famous one because we know B-sides here. <laughs> Isn't the sound in the fury? Sound the, the most fury probably would be the most famous. Well, is that long? I don't remember. This one? I don't remember our criteria. Damn it, Jimmy! <laughs> maybe the, maybe we picked this one because it was shorter than Sound of the Fury. That sounds that, that sounds about right. Yeah, because we 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 resisted doing this for a long time. We thought it was twice as long as it really was, and we're much relieved upon finding out that it was not. I'm really glad that it wasn't that long. And actually. I thought it was good, but we'll get to that. Was it good or not later? Yes. Uh, well, let's talk about the the book details real quick. So the the as I lay dying, as I'm about to call it, as I lay as I lay dying, which I'm always like concerned because I don't know the rule for lay and lie. It's lay or so I laid with your mother, but she lied about it. Is the only way I could remember. <laughs> I think, it. But I I think, I don't think lie that's right. has to have a direct object. Like I lied myself. Or lay myself. I don't fucking know. They're Southern, so they're just talking oh. wrong anyway. Darn it. Who knows? <laughs> the Lord will provide an answer. Uh, it's a 1930 novel by William Faulkner, who he was like, what, 33 when this came out? You know, he, he was born at the end of the 18... I'm looking it up now to pretend to know. 1897, he's born. So he's like 32, 33 when he wrote this. Legendarily wrote it uh, while working the night shift at a coal power plant. He's from the South. I believe all of those details. They still do that, except they don't write books anymore. And <laughs> he may have started it the day the stock market crashed in 1929. So oh. it is definitely a Holy of the Depression. Sh- shit, do I have a beer for that then? <laughs> I was going to save it for later because <laughs> I was just going to shoehorn this in anywhere. But since you brought that up, I have a beer. This is called Black Tuesday. Oh, I just it just it just jizzed everywhere on me. Um, it almost got a black eye. I did. Or in this book, they would have called it a very different colored eye. You know, they uh, made it like almost all the way through I without know. saying that. And I was I was honestly impressed. And then there's a chapter where they just like, oh, we got to catch up, and you're like, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ! Let's have the nine year old say it like a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really sorry we couldn't have this together. This was uh, shared with me. By Superfan Eli. This is Black Tuesday from the brewery in California. And this is the 2020 version. They've been making this beer for over a decade now. 
Uh, and this is an Imperial Stout Asian bourbon barrels, which, you know, we've had a lot of beers like that over the years, gentlemen, as we've slowly poisoned ourselves. Not that slowly. <laughs> so, yeah, Some days true. it feels very fast. <laughs> but, but, but for the sweet Patreon money, it's all worth it. And this is a, uh, you know, so that sounds pretty normal. But this one is 19.3% alcohol. And uh, the kind of beer you could literally only buy like one day a year or if you're a member of like the Breweries Reserve Club thing where you pay and do that sort of thing. Where in California is it? They're in Northern California in like wine country apparently. I don't know much about the geography. I forget where they are exactly. But they are, for, for 2020, this is a 2020 bottle, they loosened up the sales thing because of, you know, the pandemic. And it just so happened that Superfan Eli was in California, and they were shipping in California State within the within the entire state. And so he bought. I texted him. I was like, "Dude, you should you should get this beer if you can, since you're out there." And he bought a lot of it and didn't tell his wife. That might have been a problem, <laughs> but that's a problem for him. <laughs> and he mailed me a bottle of it. He actually mailed me two bottles: one of this and one of a different year. And I was like, "I'll save it for the gentleman." But it just so happened like this past weekend he came over and it was like the first gathering we've had since COVID. And we're like, we should drink that beer now. So I saved some of it in a uh, one of my homebrew uh, swing top bottles. And I feel like at 20% alcohol, it'll last an extra, you know, 36 hours not being, oh yeah, uh, ref, you know, it was refrigerated and shit. But so, oh, oh sweet, sweet Jesus' tits. This is, <laughs> it's... It does not smell or taste like it's nearly 20% alcohol. It's definitely a big boy. Like, this will wreck more than just your stock market. But this is, <laughs> it hides the booze well. It, it, go, it went down way too smooth. We were drinking it when it was like 92 degrees out. I'm oh, like, this God. wasn't the smartest day to have this. <laughs> oh, but goddamn. It is, it's not a pastry stout. It's not, you know, made with, you know, overly sweet shit it's apparently just bourbon barrel and you know traditional beer ingredients super vanilla i get almost a licorice flavor out of it it is the oak flavors there it is it is delightful and uh i'm just gonna keep sipping it for a while while we figure out what this book was about because we'll see what happens first will i finish this (laughs) half a bottle and die or will we figure out the book who knows but since you brought up black tuesday that's it my original connection was the the theme of the the book is pretty bleak. It's pretty it's pretty dark. No, it is and, sometimes uh, listed as a comedy. I don't well, understand if, that. If it is, it must be as a black comedy, though not what they considered a uh, African American comedy in this. The characters of this book. That's not what I mean. They had a. It's different because it's the Deep South in the thirties or the twenties. Really, there are funny points, um, which I will return to later. But. Let's let's start with the plot. So the title comes from a quote from the Odyssey, uh, where Odysseus literally goes down to Hades, goes down to hell to see Agamemnon, and says something. So when he had to make like the milk puddle, <laughs> like something about dogs' eyes. I don't know. It was it was very strange. But um, the book is also kind of like an Odyssey. It's almost like Odysseus trying to get home, or I guess it's the mom trying to get home. I guess, but except in a lot of, and she just has a very hard time getting there. And instead of 10 years, it takes 10 days. 
after, but she's already dead, so she didn't care that much. Um, <laughs> okay. The book is written in a very distinctive way, which we'll talk about, but let's just talk about what happens. So the book basically opens with you, the, the mom, whose name is Eddie, and basically she's dying. Well, actually kind of don't know at first. She's just looking out a window, watching her son, who's a good named Cash, who is a good carpenter, He's just, it just says he's a good carpenter and it doesn't really say what it is. And it takes a little while for every, for you as the reader, or at least me as the reader, because I was really confused most of the book. It was for me as the reader to realize, oh, she's dying and that he is, uh, she is watching her son build her coffin. That's what's happening. She's, he's, and he's a pretty good carpenter, so he's building it, but it's going to take a long time. And then there's, the perspective shifts quite a few times between different characters and it's written in sort of inner monologue. It's said stream of consciousness in the description, but that is like not quite it either. It's sort of like, uh, it's definitely inner monologue from many different characters. And, but is also, I would say in terms of stream of consciousness, it also includes random things that aren't in other like first person books. Like there are plenty of first person books that just don't have all the weird random shit that's included in this too. Anyway, it kind of is introducing each of the characters, the father ants who, and the uncles a N S E is how it's spelled. Um, no, no telling how big he is, but no. Ants, ants tiny, little tiny. He's really is this thing on? <laughs> These are the jokes, folks. These are the jokes. That's what you come okay. here for? He is. He has no teeth, and he is an idiot and a humpback. And, and yeah, he never. And he never sweats. It's called kyphosis, he, gentlemen. He Don't judge the man. Can't sweat or he'll die. <laughs> Which living in the south. It's that must be you gotta die right away. Very, How did he not die? <laughs> <laughs> it's Mississippi. And so and then uh the so there's Cash, there's the slightly younger son, Darl. It's not Daryl. It's Daryl Darl. They couldn't afford the Y. <laughs> couldn't afford a couldn't afford <laughs> or, a, or a hat. second R. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the the, the daughter okay, then the, the third son, Jewel. He was. I mean, I'm trying to think of jewel songs right now. I was these, meant for these you. Family, they are my own. These, are, <laughs> they're small, but they are my own. Yeah. You're singing "Hands" by Jewel. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who will save your soul? Is what he was. That's a big part of this book. That's a great song too. Maybe actually. Jewel based all of her songs off "As I Lay Dying." Uh, when did they yodel in this book? Because that's a big part of Jewel. They are yokels. Thing. That's as she hit Close. it. She like it's almost just the same thing. Swap one letter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's the daughter Dewey Dell, which is short for Dewey Decimal. Yeah. <laughs> clearly, she leaves out the is. middle of the decimal. <laughs> well, it's south. I don't know how they do things. Maybe it's a little different, but you yeah. know, she's she she's into uh, indexing things in her box. It's the closest <laughs> she'll ever get to a library. And her main thing is that she's pregnant. And is trying to get an abortion the whole book 
which was, you know, for 1930, this was pretty, pretty bold to actually include that at all. And then there's the younger kid, the little kid named Vardman. Don't, we don't say that name, Nate. Then he, oh, sorry. I thought you said Voldemort, uh, but he's <laughs> it's almost that. He who shall not be brother. <laughs> Who's dumb as a fucking bag of. He's, doorknobs. He's a he normal eight-year-old kid. He's dumb as that fish that he that he kills. Yeah, he thinks everything's a beginning. fish for the rest of the book. <laughs> but it took me like way too long for me to realize like Jules' mom is a horse. <laughs> what that meant. <laughs> uh, I still don't know if I got it. Because she's a whore. Like she f- like that's what I took out of it. Like he's like, your mom's a horse. Like he's like hearing things that adults have said. That is my interpretation, at least. Oh. I could be totally wrong, but he keeps he only says it about Jewel. Jewel's mom's, and we find out that Jewel is an Jewel is a bastard child. Okay, so these are like it's it's a fucking confusing book. I think we should actually explain a little bit more about the way it's set up because that will help explain the way the plot runs. Because the book is each chapter, and some of them are literally is one that's literally a sentence. But they're mostly really short, and they go from one character to another. But they carry the story forward, but from various perspectives. So, like, it's almost like Sometimes a, the same event you'll see from different perspectives, first one, then the other. And then sometimes the events are just out of order, which, you know, did not help at all. Yeah, there's some weird flashbacky things. But it's mostly like a relay race kind of thing. But they... Uh, are all mostly the characters that are involved in the story. There's occasionally characters who are just kind of observers. More, you know, they're not really there the main people party. not in the family who are seeing this decrepitly poor family struggle and, just, and just, oh, they're just shaking them. their heads like, "Holy shit, these dumb fucks!" Especially the, the Tulls, man, they sucked. They were a bunch of dicks. So the the beginning part's like the mom's dying, but you don't really know. It's confusing because nobody thinks the same way as another person. So when you just have their inner monologue, you try to figure it out and then it moves on to someone else and you just start again. So I really thought the first chapter was a great would have been a great short story, actually. And I really liked the whole book too. But I think if you wanted to like here's like a cool short story, like kind of like a Twilight Zony ending. The first shorts, the first chapter, which is from I think Daryl's perspective, they are watching. The mom is watching the the boys watch work up while Cash makes something, and then you realize at the very end of it, he's making a coffin, and it's like that's a really cool short story kind of thing. And I read that first chapter, and I was like, oh, that's fucking, that's pretty cool. That's really interesting. I did not, I did not see it going there because I don't, I know nothing about what this book is about. And then the next. Seven chapters. I was like, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> I have nothing. This is confusing as all hell. I read about twenty percent of it, and then I was like, I have no idea what's happening. I must have missed something, and I went back to page one and started it again because I and I get. I guess that helped a bit. I had a similar. It's a experience. challenging book. I fully admit I cheated entirely, and I would read a bunch of chapters, and then I would read the spark notes to find out what I had just read because otherwise I felt like I wasn't going to get anything out of this. And I'll tell you that helped a lot. This is the first, first week where I feel like I read the book the best because I didn't look it up. And I think I, I looked it up after I read it. I was like, I'm going to fucking fuck this Faulkner guy <laughs> right in his Faulkner ass. I'm going to figure this book out. And I thought I did. Falk him. Falk him. Yeah. 
the sound and fear of him getting falked. <laughs> and then I read it and I was like, I got it. I pretty much got it. I mean, I'm sure I missed a tremendous amount, but at least I got the plot. <laughs> I got the story part of it, like the meaning and shit. Like, uh, probably yeah, there, there were plot points I missed entirely when I read the summary. I was like, what? Okay. But yeah, I, that was me. I really, I really, it, it, this is the kind of book that you read and it's like, it's like a mystery almost. Like you have to read it really carefully to figure it out. Now, we could have a separate discussion. We probably will. If that is a good strategy to write a book or not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> All right. We don't need to do that. Join us next week. All right. Next topic. <laughs> but it's the kind of book that is challenging. But before, let, let's save that because I do have thoughts on that. So the, the what ends up happening is the mom dies and they made the coffin. Okay. We've gotten to chapter two or like yeah. five. And the, so dad, the doctor comes. So the doctor comes to like help the mom, and the doctor's like, and they tells reverse the father, like, repel him up the mountain. <laughs> yeah, he's because he's old and fat, and they're on a mountain, so they have to like carry, like you know, haul him up with a rope. And then he gets there, and he's like, "Ants, you fucking idiot! It's too late." And then he's there for all of an hour, and she dies. And then for the whole rest of the book, the little kid Vardaman thinks the doctor killed her because, you know, doctor arrives, mom dies, he must have done it. I guess that was supposed to be funny. I don't know. There was, there was no schooling in this town? No. That was obvious. It was a no-room schoolhouse. <laughs> and then, but before the mom had died, uh, Darrell and Jewel had taken one more load of whatever it was to town to sell it to get three dollars so they weren't even there anyway they like put the mom so they like overnight cash works overnight in the rain finishes the coffin they put mom in the coffin and he shows then, her by the way every board while she's he, like, still holds alive it up to her, like see this is a see? good one right and she's like yes that's also fine driftwood <laughs> <laughs> they're they're incredibly poor and then if she and if she said no, do you think he'd like walk away and then come back and just turn and show the other side of the board? Like, how about this side of the two by four? Oh, that's that's the money wood right there. But apparently, the problem is is that the mom had asked to be buried with her family over in Jefferson Davis. <laughs> Might be named after him very yeah, much, so very probably. well. I mean, it is Mississippi, somewhere uh, on the east side, right? To the deluxe apartment in the sky? <laughs> so she wanted to move on up, obviously. Yeah. To be with, well, to be with the Lord, not the Jeffersons. <laughs> so uh, anyway, which is apparently about 40 miles away, but might as well be on the other side of the planet. I think, they, I think that's the route they take, actually. They're like, let's, let's circumnavigate the globe to get there. Should have gone right. <laughs> So they want to get the mom. She's in the coffin. They're tr- they want to get it unembalmed. To, by the way, unembalmed. Yeah, it's just literally just like it, it's, it's going to smell real bad, real, real bad. Real for five a, minutes ago, <laughs> it's going to be real bad. And they like put the mom in the coffin, but then they can't even leave for at least three days because during that rainstorm, all the the bridges across the river get flooded or get flooded and like you know they're just gone like it just washes washes out all the bridges which means that 
I almost said Tango and Cash can't get back across the river. <laughs> no, uh, Daryl and Jewel can't get back across the river with the cart and the mules uh, to even get back. So they can't even to get the coffin to then try and bring it back across the other side of the river. So anyway, they so it's like day four. I, I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to make this a political conversation, but I did think oh, that's what happens in the red states when you don't uh, invest in infrastructure. <laughs> Because it's your rights. You know, like, you're like, no, don't take away my Ten Commandments. And then, like, we're not spending money on that. And like, all right, there's no bridges now because it rained. And they literally can't, they can't go anywhere. They're like, where are they? Miss- they're in Mississippi. There's a fucking river named after that state. Like, <laughs> they shouldn't be shocked by, by hydration. <laughs> and they're like, not, nothing happening. Take the rest of the week off. <laughs> <laughs> this is the 1930s, 20s, though for this family, it might as well be like the 1720s with the amount of technology they have available to them. I, I thought at points that they were like prospectors <laughs> building a homestead, like, like build my sod house out here I mean, in the Nebraska. Description of the, the description of the farm was kind of like that. They really did seem like they were homesteaders. Um, so they're bringing, so like they can't even start on the journey to bring the body to Jefferson until day four. So it must already have smelled pretty bad. Um, but then most of the rest of the book, minus the flashbacks, is them trying to just get the corpse on a cart to like 40 miles away. And it was really, really tough. Anyway, so the whole family, they become chaperones. <laughs> <laughs> this is chaperones by other half and great notion this is an imperial ipa 8.4 percent alcohol and on the can there's like they've got their weird like broccoli characters it's literally like i mean we're, we don't need this it's literally like broccoli mom and dad or chaperoning the school <laughs> dance with like <laughs> chewbacca girl or something like that it is a strange chewbacca. very strange okay and it's a very nice IPA. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Um, is there real no, broccoli in it? Good. Uh, I don't think so. It just says IPA. There's it no broccoli. Say, no broccoli was harmed in the making of that beer. It doesn't even say what hops are in it, so I have a feeling it would be it's, noticeable if there was broccoli in it. It's almost <laughs> certainly citra. <laughs> There's a pretty good chance. Actually, That's you know what? Know. I'm wrong. There's no citra in that beer. I Nailed it. Up. it. It's, it's galaxy. I, I I can't nail a beer I haven't had. <laughs> Fucker. It's... You had a 50 50 shot. It either had it like, or it didn't. I have like laser be eye vision. Like, that, looks be like, better. that looks like laser. That looks like fucking citra fibers floating in there. I see mango notes. <laughs> it's cunts. But it's... Through the zoom, through the can. Yeah, he didn't even pour in a glass, you dick. <laughs> it's fucking. <laughs> it's made with Galaxy and Motuka, Rawaka and Waiiti. So uh, some pretty tropical hops. Which I'm sure at least one of them is a fucking Citra breed. If not all of them. Fucking dick bags. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the first the first problem is that the and that and this is a big chunk of the book, they need to get across that river. And they're just like, well, we're, you know, the bridge is out, but we're just going to find a place where we can try and ford the river. 
and not With die of cart. dysentery. <laughs> Everyone's Oregon referencing trail. this one is just Oregon Trail, right? Yeah. Like, well, oh, oh yeah. yeah, just take the wheels off and float it. Just, just no, like we we shot eight hundred pounds of bison, but we can only carry a hundred. Like, fuck, <laughs> that is that is. T- why did we shoot that? It's like half a bison. <laughs> 800 pounds is not even half a bison. Like, those things are fucking yeah, enormous. enormous. <laughs> but there's no bison here because these people, they don't really mention what they're eating, but it's probably not much, if anything. No. It might they just be the mom. One, they have one picnic basket and they're just taunting Yogi Bear the whole time. Like, they keep mentioning we have a picnic basket. And Except everyone, it didn't have food in it. <laughs> yeah, they're just sitting there and, and eating their. So uh, they try and. They try and ford the river, and as if you've ever played Oregon Trail, you can guess how about as well as that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Which they, the, the coal cart literally overturns in the middle of the river. The donkeys, the mules drown instantly. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, Cash, like, breaks his leg again because he'd broken it before, and all his tools fall out, and the court and the, and the coffin almost floats away. The coffin almost floats away, but they managed to not do it. But and then Cash is really the basically he's got a broken leg and he almost drowned. So he's really not doing well for the rest for the rest of the whole book. They managed to get everybody across the river without dying, although it was pretty close. Well, okay, the mom's already dead, so you know. <laughs> she can't die twice. <laughs> no. Though they damn well tried. Well, this this trip of theirs is taking a long time at this point. <laughs> Because, you know, uh, Damn it, they're sorry. not good at it. Their <laughs> mules are all dead. Uh, this is the 19, you know, 20s, 30s. So there are cars. They aren't any automatic cars. There are manual transmission cars. But it wouldn't matter because they only have a cart full of, uh, full of donkeys. Uh, so it's not an automatic, but everyone on the thing is sick. So it's more like an Illmatic <laughs> Longest built up. <laughs> this is Ill Plusmatic from Interboro. It's a double IPA. It's made by Beastie Boys. <laughs> it's 8.2, one pint. That's it. Is it intergalactic? <laughs> Sabotage. No, it's fine. Did to fight for your right? <laughs> they, had to, they had to fight for their right to get their mom into a, a hole in a different part of Mississippi. Because she was licensed to terminally ill. <laughs> <laughs> Interboro is in Brooklyn, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. They're in New York, certainly. All right, yeah, I'll Brooklyn. save my they drown their donkeys beer for a few minutes from now. <laughs> so we'll move on. It's a good beer. You know, so they, they managed to get across the river and then some and then these poor people are trying to help them. Like, you know, farm the farm you know, farmers along the way are like, You can stay in my you can stay in my house, you guys. You get you oh my god. You look terrible. <laughs> and the father is like with no teeth saying, no, I won't. I, I won't be holding to anybody. And so won't accept anybody's help, even though it's like, holy, oh, my God, he, he's dumb. But they'll sleep he, in the That's pretty barn. much all he says. That's almost all he says for the entire book until the final page is, yeah, you know, the you yeah, know, my, uh, you know, my, my wife want to be buried there. We have to do it. And then I won't be beholden to no man, meaning won't take any charity. And also it's God's fault. Yeah. The main <laughs> thing, he, the other thing he says a lot is if there was ever a man that was tested, he kind of like, he doesn't even say the whole line, 
but he's basically, it was me, is what he's saying. Or he man, says it man over and over. who has fought so much misfortune. It's like, what bad luck I have. <laughs> it's like, eh, you're just a dumbass. And that's what other characters are constantly saying. <laughs> like, at one point, when, when they have to borrow the shovels to bury the mom at the very end, someone's like, he'd probably have to borrow the hole, too. <laughs> someone's like, why don't you just throw him in there as well? <laughs> it's just a real asshole about what a shithead this guy is. They're also all pretty shitty. Some of them. The tolls are shitty. Some of the people are pretty nice, but they're like... Just come and stay. Like, you all sleep in the barn on the hay with the animals. Like, your son's foot look is going to rot off. It's like, he's fine. <laughs> the toll, can we talk? The tolls are such douchebags because they're like the nosy cunts of the town. And they're, they're oh. more well off. But, but it's really well, Everyone is more well yeah, off than they, they are. They're just less well on off like they're, <laughs> like they're, they're just, you can't, there's like a, there's a rock bottom and you, you know, in this, in this society for, you know, impoverished farmers and these people and the, are it oh yeah they're they're the they're the they're the line like you're like that's when you have to go you need help when you get that level i don't forget their last name is the bundren under yeah bundren bundrens which that's that's not a name that inspires confidence the children of the but, bund no <laughs> <laughs> but the uh the tolls the 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 husband is just he just shows up he's like uh, you shouldn't go in that river. And they're like, fuck it. We have to get somewhere. And he's like, all right. And then they do. He's like, well, you ain't using my donkeys. He's just a dick about it the whole time. And then he goes later on, his wife shows up and she's just a r- real judgmental dick about religion. Literally holier than thou. But also like inconsistently, like just saying things to judge people. And the husband calls her out on it at one point that she's like, that husband shouldn't have done that. That's he's that was God's plan for him, to, or is he something like that? Was he's going against God's plan? And then the, the husband's like, you know, maybe, maybe he did that because it was God's plan. He's like, no, he shouldn't have done that. And like, what, huh? Like, that doesn't make any sense. He can't just, she just wants to criticize people and be, you know, a douche. But she does, when we, suck. Get, to, when we get to one of the chapters with the ghost lady talking, or the one chapter really with the ghost lady talking, she says, that bitch never learned how to cook. Like she's like a <laughs> shitty pioneer woman. Even though they weren't really pioneer people in 1925, but they no one told them that in Mississippi. Ain't that different still. So they all, the tall suck ass. But then they they just kind of go through a bunch of chapters where you get a lot of backstory then and you find out more about the people. And the main thing I noticed during this section is that Darl is incredibly eloquent. <laughs> Like, his chapters all are the most articulate, poetic parts of the book. But he's just as much of a hill person as the rest of them. And that's a real question I have. Like, why we, Why is Darl the the smart one? You know? Like, he's just... His his chapters are using words that you have to look up. And everyone else is like, I don't had a horse. Like, their chapters are really not very articulate or interesting in terms of like the language of them like his chapter is very very different mm. but he slowly goes uh crazy and uh they He's had a hard up, week yeah and we <laughs> oh we find out also in this time we find out the backstory i skipped over this the backstory that jewel is almost certainly not the son of that dad he is the son of the reverend 
I mean, he is the son of the reverend. Everyone knows that, except the dad. Does everyone know it? Every, like, well, all the adults have figured it out. Like, that kid yeah. looks different and he acts different. Well, because he was, he was weird. Like, he was different. And, he was independent. But the reverend knew, and the reverend went to like, oh, I have to go. He's like one chapter from the reverend's perspective. Where he's like, oh, I need to go. I heard that woman's dying, and I fucked her 20 years ago in the woods. <laughs> I should go, and I know that it was wrong. It's like a little 20th century uh, scarlet letter. And he's, I'm going to go tell her husband and uh, um, atone. And then he gets to like the first bridge and it's not there. And he was like, oh, thank Jesus. Uh, well, he finds out that, that she was dead already and she yeah. hadn't told anyone. And he's like, well, God knows that in my heart I want to confess and that's good enough. Yeah. So he just dips and he just leaves that as it is. <laughs> <laughs> but then they get to some other places. I see you just real fast because we men- we passed it. Because Jimmy fucking jumped in there. When that, when that river, when they try to ford it, and it kills a bunch of donkeys and shit, and almost takes Cash's carpentry tools, which is the main thing that he needs to get for some reason, you can call that some evil water. Couldn't you? Oh, yeah. This is Very. evil water. Marshmallow sea breeze. Which, I don't think it was the sea, but maybe. There was a breeze. It'll get there eventually. Yeah, it's, it's, it's on its way. <laughs> it's the prequel <laughs> to the sea. <laughs> this is a pastry seltzer with grapefruit, cranberry, and marshmallow. It's 4.5% alcohol. I don't, I've never actually had a sea breeze in real life, like the cocktail. Yeah, this is a uh, fine paste, you know, seltzer. I mean, it is a little tart. That's definitely the fault of the cranberry or the grapefruit, actually. Uh, I don't love it. That's why I uh, bought this four pack a long time ago, and I've been able to sustain, uh, you know, prevent myself from drinking this one bottle. It's the opposite of your nineteen uh, percent stout. Every time I open the fridge, that would I would look at it, and it would just say like, "Drink me. You don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> they won't appreciate it. Nate will die. <laughs> like, All right, I won't <laughs> do there it for him." <laughs> yeah, this is fine. I mean, I, I, um, as it gets more hot, as we're recording this, as it becomes more summery and hot enough to melt a dead lady in a coffin, <laughs> this is um, this is the kind of thing to drink. But it's it's a little too tart for me. Speaking of tarts, she's in a coffin. So among other um, unfortunate things, they because the dad is an idiot, they're like, oh well, Cash's leg is broken. Let's put cement on it. Because he's, you know, writing in the back. He's writing on top of the coffin in the back of the cart. You know, it doesn't have any, like, springs and stuff. So that must have been... And his leg is broken. It must have been so painful. <laughs> so they put uh, cement on it. But that's a terrible... But, but it's literally going to it stick to his skin. And so he's literally going to remove all his skin in order to get the cement off. Which is... Closer to the end, and then they get they get sort of closer to the right town, and Dewey Dell goes into a pharmacy to try and get an abortion, and they're like, "We're God people here, get out." Well, but she can't. You know, they never say it a hundred percent out loud. She she doesn't even know how to really ask. No, she just goes in. She's like, "I need to speak to the doctor," and the guy's like, "I'm a doctor, sort of," and she's like. 
uh, I need, a, I have a woman problem. And, uh, which by the way is how my dad describes most, uh, <laughs> diseases of like the breast or uterus. <laughs> it's, it's, it's woman cancer. But he goes, she's like, I have a woman problem. And he's like, oh, is it too regular or not regular enough? He's like, uh, all of the above. And he's like, oh, I don't fucking, these fucking hill people. I don't even know what this means. And he, he, he figures it out, but they never say it. And she never says it, but she's like, I'm pregnant. I need to get rid of this. I'll give you $10. And he's like, you're going to have to wait till the 1970s for that shit to be legal. Uh, uh, Mississippi. <laughs> uh, still waiting. But we're going to, you know, make sure the, the size of the hallways and the abortion <laughs> clinic are okay. And the doctor has admitting privileges. <laughs> Oh God! Okay, so um, they so that that happens, and they. But like, he also judges the guy really harshly. I, I gotta give him credit for that, for not just shitting on her, for not just being like you dumb smut. But he's like, she's like my. He told he told me if I came here to a do- pharmacy, they'd help me. And he's like, I wish he came himself. Then I would tell him what to you know, any, that piece of shit guy who knocked up a teenage girl and ran away. And then uh, I thought that was kind of. At least the guy didn't fully blame her, which I kind of expected in 1928 Deep South Bible country. You know? Mm-hmm. you know, it's not perfect, but it was less bad than I expected. So, thanks, thanks, Faulkner. Good thing you were saving that N-word chapter for later. So they get to a, uh, they get to a town or a place, and they're staying in a, in a. Barn? Okay, I'm going to get this out of Gillespie's order. Gillespie's barn, they stay at. Do they do the fight? The fight is after the fire or before the fire? The fight with... When they're they, the like, almost fight Darryl? between Darl and... Oh, that's right outside that, the town. Yeah, that's, that's, out, yeah. that's after the oh, fire. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. they go to this... that guy? Yeah. So they, they stay in some guy's barn, and in the middle of the night, it just, like, catches on fire, and everyone is like, oh, my God, all the animals, they're in... Everybody's sleeping in the barn with the animals, and, you know, yeah, it's like... What? And the dead lady. <laughs> talk talk about the dead lady. I don't remember the dead lady. She's in the barn, the dead lady, the mom. Her oh, right, yes. in the barn. They have to oh, say that, too. the ghost lady. Anyway, um, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, fuck it, Nate. Uh, Jimmy, let's fuck with him. <laughs> and there's a ghost. <laughs> did, you, did you not miss the, the chapter about ghost? the ghost? <laughs> She's like, it'll be spooky <laughs> if I burn on this barn. No, they have to also say the so, dead lady from the barn. <laughs> They have to save. They have to save the dead lady. <laughs> Don't let her die. That would fuck Oops, up the whole no, Honestly, plot. honestly, letting her burn a little bit probably would help with the smell. <laughs> it's a little more uh, barbecue sm- scented. Yeah, I mean a little bit. Anyway, they have to like get rescue the animal. That should get everyone out. The animals and the corpse and like you know everything in the middle of the night. And apparently, Darl. I keep saying Daryl, but it's not Daryl. It's Daryl. He set Darryl. the fire. Yeah, he did. You find out later. Yeah, he set the fire. Bartman saw him. It's the th- and he says it like about twenty seven times. I saw a thing, but I can't talk about it. But it's like I saw a thing, but I'm not allowed to say what I saw. He says it a bunch of times because he saw it, and so did Dewey Decimal, and they're not allowed <laughs> to say what it was. But it was Daryl. 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 What the fuck his name is? Setting the fire to it's the short barn. for Darlene. Yeah, because he's gone crazy. He's he's bananas. He also wants to stop this trip because this trip is going badly. Like they lost all their all their mules. They're all out of ass. 
They had to like mortgage their like <laughs> he one was an tool, you know, that they have left for growing stuff to buy another team of mules from a guy. Cashes in the the wagon with like a leg that's just getting more gangrenous by the day because the cement doesn't allow circulation. And his the only thing preventing the stink foot is how much his dead mother stinks. So he's like, <laughs> we if I just burn her here. We don't have to keep doing this. And he's, they also sold Jewel's horse, the dad, which that was a whole other thing where oh, yeah. Jewel had uh, been sneaking away at nights and they thought he was like fucking some girl from another town for the whole summer and he was always tired and doing the farm work and then everyone was covering from him because they thought he was getting laid. But it <laughs> turned out he was working to buy his own horse. The dad fucking sold that horse. <laughs> like... Everything has gone terrible. And so Daryl just fucking snaps and burns down this barn. And everybody pitches in and saves the shit. But they all know it's Daryl. Everybody figures it out instantly. And then the next day, they like... they uh, Daryl is going to like... He just like gets in a fight. He's just kind of like, what did you say to me? And the other guy has a knife. And it's like, well, they're walking into town. This is another uncomfortable racial moment in the book where they're walking. And they're like, we see three African-American gentlemen walking down the road. And one of them was like, Jesus fucking Christ, what is that smell? Because <laughs> it's, been, it's been fucking nine days of an uninvolved woman in the Mississippi. And then they only summer half heat. cooked her. And she and they're like, oh, sweet Jesus's cunt, what is that? And then they pass by and they see like a white guy who sneers. And I guess, I don't, I mean, I don't know if race is any way involved in this, but Jewel just goes bananas and tries to kill that guy. He tries to fight it. He insults the guy and the guy's like, you don't get to call me that. Well, Jewel is the uh, ultimate mama's boy because oh, yeah. as the ghost chapter reveals, uh, Jewel is the only kid she even likes. The others uh, are like punishments. She just hates them because they're like this, you know, no teeth humpback guy's seed that she just had like shoved inside of her and she hates her life. I think she's glad to die of whatever sickness of just, you know, poor Mississippi itis. It's like she summoned death. <laughs> it's just, she <laughs> willed it. <laughs> yeah, she, she really kind of did. She's like, I'm done with, I've done enough now. And she just, she just waits for it to happen. She's like, I'm going to fucking die. I don't care. It's going to happen now. Build me a box. <laughs> <laughs> Too much sulfur. Everything smelled like sulfur in the first part of the book. I don't know what that was about. Do you know what I said? They said like it's 10 an different... Illusion, every, it's an allusion to hell, probably. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't... I, I believe Hell it. smells like old eggs. It's just... It's, it's just deeply Satan. uncomfortable when you're there. It's like, it smells really bad in here. It's like, yeah, we do that on purpose. Satan's just fucking ripping farts on you. All he eats all day is egg salad. He turns the humidifier way up and closes all the windows. <laughs> on Thursdays, we have broccoli. <laughs> but it's in and the just, egg salad. He just fucking lights his farts on fire on shit. <laughs> Hell is a strange place. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He's bored at this point. He's figured out some moves. <laughs> 
But yeah, so that scene they have to subdue him, and then the guys. It's a it's a weird scene where the guy wants to Unlike kill all Jewel. the others. <laughs> well, so one of the things I noticed in the book that is a theme is uh, rich versus poor in the South, or like you know the poor versus th- less poor, or or city versus country. Yeah, and in this scene, it has one of my favorite lines because I I wish I I wish I was in an English class to say this. He calls them all. He calls all the city people jerk offs. He literally does, because they get to this. They get to the outskirts of uh, Jefferson, and he says this quote: "We hear sudden voices, ejaculant." He's calling them jerk offs. That must be what that means. <laughs> that can't mean anything else. And they're all instantly pricks to the poor bumpkins, and Jewel, who has nothing left to lose at this point, is like, "I'll fucking kill you." He's also and covered in uh, burns from rescuing his mother's corpse from the barn fire. After he also rescued like a horse and a cow and yes. a pig <laughs> and freak strength of adrenaline. He threw it's a like horse episode, out of a barn. Remember that episode of The Simpsons with like the baseball team where uh, it was like in the 90s? This is like Simpsons season like eight, so it's like a lifetime ago. But. That uh, never mind. They had Pete, Pete Sachs had to like save a woman's house. It was on fire. And he's like, "I'll save you," and she kept sending him back in to get more appliances out of it. <laughs> like she was, just, it's coming out like a washing machine, coming out like a microwave. It's like, no, no, not over there. Put it over there by the dryer. Like just, that's basically what he has to do. He has to just go in and save all the shit from this barn, and then he's just beef jerky for the rest of the novel, and he wants to kill a rich guy. I mean, I think that must be part of... I mean, I've never read anything else by Faulkner. But his his writing is like a big part of like the Southern Renaissance and shit like that. I am sure class is a big component of that. Uh, they get to the final town. They get to Jefferson. And two major things happen. One of which is that uh, Dewey Dell goes to another pharmacy to try and get an abortion. Oh, and yeah. This time, the, it, the so the doctor isn't in, but the like stock boy behind the ca- behind. I almost had broken to a southern accent. Behind the stock the boy behind the counter. I do declare <laughs> the stock boy. <laughs> the stock boy behind the counter says, "Oh yes, I'm the doctor. I can help you. Why don't you come down here into the basement? Down here, <laughs> uh, and then." says, you know, the doctor's going to come back from his lunch break or whatever. And he's like, do I have enough time to fuck her? Uh, no, not quite. Um, <laughs> so he gives her literally a, like, drink this. He's like, oh, yes, I can I can give you an abortion. Though he never says it, talks around it the whole time. They have this long conversation where they talk around it. But he gives her this thing where he makes of, like, turpentine and some other random things. Like, here, drink this, but then come back tonight and we'll... I'll perform the final, <laughs> I'll perform the operation. I think he says, it's a operation? Yeah. yeah, something like that. Oh, and by the way, the thing she had in her basket the whole time was actually a nice-looking dress because she decided to dress up nice. So she wouldn't like look like a country bumpkin when she went to get an abortion. I think that's the reason why. Well, she, the first time she tried it, she didn't wear the dress. Yeah. Because she's this carrying is, this, this is package the, the whole book. And this package, she's been told people, it's like, Lady so-and-so's pies I'm going to sell in town. And nobody's like, why the fuck are they going to buy 10-day-old p- 
pies that have been unrefrigerated. And we have no food. Why would it, why wouldn't we just eat those pies? Yeah, that oh. part doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I wonder. Again, I, I don't. I don't really get the whole package dress thing. Because why wouldn't she have done it the first time she went to the pharmacy if that was her strategy? I don't know. So she does end up going back late that night, and the in the little kid Vardman is also there, and he's like. They were inside a long time, and it also is like there's a the chapter from the stock boy's perspective, and he's like, "Oh yeah, so I made some pills, filled some pills with talcum powder, and was like, "Here you go. Are you sure this is going to work? Oh yeah, definitely, this will work." And so I think she fucks the stock boy, thinking he's the doctor. She does. And he's going to give her the abortion, and she knows instantly. It's like that motherfucker lied to me. But somehow doesn't give him the ten dollars, even though she's like, "I have this ten dollars yeah. for the abortion." Maybe it's because she fucked him instead. I guess I'm not exactly sure how she ended up not having to give up the ten dollars. But anyway, she doesn't. So meanwhile, the next morning, they actually uh, the father goes and borrows a spade, borrows a sh- borrows shovels so they can dig a grave and actually put the mom in it, who must have smelled. So bad. Just so bad. Um, so they put they they bury the mom and then the father is like finds the ten dollars or sees the ten dollars. Like, where did you get this ten dollars? I need it. <coughs> we need it. And she's like, It's not mine. And but whose is it? She can't say, Oh, this was given to me by his his Leif. bigger his bigger thing, yeah, Leif, Leif Garrett gives her that's known as Leif Garrett was. That fucking the I was made. This shit. No, that's Leif Erickson. Oh right. Leif Garrett was a <laughs> shitty seventies pop artist. So that song I was made for dancing or something like that. But she's like, it's not mine. And he's like, I don't care. I would never take from my children. But why wouldn't they tell me whose it is? Why wouldn't they not offer to? Like, he's just a fucking dick bag about it. Just manipulates the children. Manipulates her to give it to him, and he ultimately just fucking snatches it. So he takes the $10 and goes and buys the teeth he's always wanted because he hasn't had teeth this whole time. (laughs) He goes and buys the teeth and marries the woman he borrowed the shovels from. He's like, listen, I've got all this money, I guess. I don't know. At the end. We skipped one very important part. Uh... They have Darl institutionalized for setting the yeah. fire. And <laughs> oh, they, go, like, they come to arrest him. That's on him. <laughs> like, they're, they we're going to get in trouble if you don't put him in the loony bin. So it's like, yeah, fuck him. I don't know. I got and, other kids. And it's like, he's just not made for this world. Stuff like that. Everybody just betrays him instantly. And his last chapter, from his perspective, is very weird and broken. Oh, I, I took some notes there, yeah. Well, there's one line in there. I remember what I where he mentions like, oh, there's funny coins and the and a nickel has a lady and a buffalo. What's the heads and what's the tails? And he says shit like that. But then he also says, I got a thing when I did the fought the war in France. Like, so maybe he has like fucking PTSD. Like maybe there's something mentally wrong with the guy, and this event has yeah. triggered it or exasperated it or whatever the right word is. Exacerbate. Ex- it's ex-masturbated. I mean, yes. it's, it's they did that a when lot you, when you masturbate outdoors. You yeah. ex-masturbate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's a crime, but I don't know why. I mean, 
judge not lest you be judged, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's all that's a officer. But anyway, that's like uh, he he goes bananas, and and they all just like, well, who knows? And they just move on with their lives. <laughs> but I feel like <laughs> there's like some clues. Like I, I I don't really want to do this, but I feel like if somebody were to reread the book. There might be enough evidence there to be like, there's something wrong with this guy from the start. You know, like he has something, you know, there there is like a PTSD thing. There is a war thing or... I, know, did, I, uh, I, I, I did find something like that in my really? hours of research that I did for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's very efficient research. Yeah, yeah. I read real fast. <laughs> uh, it was someone had written about uh, Faulkner had given a series of lectures at the University of Virginia back in the day. Uh, And it was, he was talking about Darl. And what he said was, Darl was mad from the first. He got progressively madder because he didn't have the capacity, not so much of sanity, but of inertness to resist all the catastrophes that happened to the family. Jewel resisted because he was sane and he was the toughest. The others resisted, though probably through probably inertia, but Darl couldn't resist it, and so he went completely off his rocker. But he was mad all the time. Southern psychology. Dude was fucked up, couldn't get no better. But but he's also the smart one. You know, that's like another... They said it was when Faulkner was asked if his madness was why he spoke more beautifully than anyone else, his one word response was simply, yes. What a douche. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck he you, was uh, He was crazy, so he talked more pretty in his head but he lost his mind that's why everybody loves the poetry of charles manson uh well at the end of the book the dad shows up with this like old bug-eyed lady and they say like she was walking down the street daring people to judge her it's like some fucking crazy loon and he says hey kids meet mrs bundren (laughs) that's his new wife and I opes you like her. This is opes. This is a beer. I uh, had to use this somehow. How is that spelled? O-P-E-S. Opes. Like hopes, but without the H. Because they put H's in a lot of other places in the book. Like they would say, hit. hit ain't right. It took me a while to figure out what the fuck they were trying to say. This is a West Coast style IPA. Brewed and dry out with Cascade, Columbus, Comet, Citra, and Simcoe hops. I'm really disappointed they didn't keep with the C thing there. Um, Simcoe's a soft C. <laughs> a collaboration from uh, between uh, Root plus Branch, Root and Blanche, Branch, Root and Blanche. Root and Blanche is the a South. Golden Girls spinoff. <laughs> That's my Golden Girls themed, um, you know, a brewery. We brew Betty White, Betty White Ale. And bready white ale as well as if you want it with bread. Um, <laughs> Aren't Gloria hops too? Stop recording. We have a brilliant business idea here. <laughs> Trademark. Golden ale girls. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, my God. I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, I can't think of anything for the, for Rue McClanahan, um, but I'll work on it. Uh, <laughs> Rue McClanahan. Uh, so this is a... I, West Coast IPA, which we don't really see too much of, and Root and Branch is a New York-based, as of as of the time of recording at least, um, uh, I feel like we're not supposed to say Gypsy Brewery anymore, but that's what they are. They don't have a location. Nomad they just, Brewery. Yeah, they're, they're nomadic. Yeah, they just they just follow the buffalo. 
wherever the beer t- the buffalo takes when they brew. Uh, so you don't really see that too much. It's it's nice. It's not quite as aggressively bitter as the West Coast IPAs that kind of were like the peak of that moment where you had beers that were like offensively bitter. They're really um, trying to ease us back in. Yeah, I, th- I kind of think that's. I think I think it's exactly what it is. Well, because the how much juicier can a beer get? You know, it's also there's a practical element of it that the hops that are used to make quote unquote juicy beers are really expensive. So it would be really profitable for breweries to make beers that aren't quite so juicy. If you if something else was, would sell, you could do something else cheaper. Okay, so I really wanted to like this book. I really hated it. Could that be because, Nate, you were the closest of us to dying that bothered you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So in (laughs) high school, well, no, let me just answer that. Uh, No, and in high school, I never read any Faulkner except for in English class in high school, we read a thing. It's called The Bear which I guess is a short story or it's a short... Th- anyway, it was just literally in a in the textbook. And I remember trying to read it and really thinking, I have no fucking idea what's going on. I, I guess I'm just never reading Faulkner. I mean, we read uh, we read a bunch of stuff in that class, like Old Man of the Sea and um, Oh, Pioneers, which was like really dumb. Willow oh, Catheter. Um, great, great Gatsby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We read Gatsby in that class. Anyway, and this was just like one of the things that was like... And we read the bear by Faulkner. And I was like, I have no idea what's going was on. That I guess a gay erotica novel. What is the bear? I have no <laughs> idea. Cause I had no idea what was going on. I was like, I'm just not reading Faulkner. Oops. Oh, well till this week as early with the dying, I was like, maybe because I really wanted to like it. Cause I'm like, maybe I'm finally a good enough reader to appreciate this. And I wanted to, but immediately after, it's not a long book, and but still, I was you know ten twenty percent of the way through, and I was like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. Ugh, another one of those. God damn it! And I was so just annoyed that it was so confusing. And I did. I went back to page one and re. I was like, I'm just gonna read it from page one again because apparently I just missed something. I don't think it's that I really missed anything. It was just, it was just confusing. And then I'm also annoyed, like, first, you know, what the fuck is going on? So that was annoying. And then second, like, why do people like this? I really, I, I can just say that I did not like this writing style. Uh, and I just got more and more and more annoyed. And then it was finally done. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> that was my experience reading the book. Did not like it. Was not a fan. How about you guys? I would have felt probably the exact same way if I hadn't cheated and had someone hold my hand through it, someone being Sparknotes. But I figured... Mr. Sparknotes. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I, d- I just didn't know if... like I didn't see what was the purpose of me reading it and not understanding it. Where I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really worried about like yeah. spoilers, mm-hmm. and I, I knew this was going to be difficult. So I was just like, I might as well get as much as I can out of this. And if that involves someone telling me, like spoon feeding me, this is what happened. Like, oh, okay, thanks. 
for, for, for me, it's like, I think, I feel like we discussed this before, but like, I don't, I don't like art really. If I go to a museum and see a picture or like a painting or some weird thing, it's like, I don't get this. I don't, I don't fucking understand. But if I, if someone explains to me why this matters and what's interesting about this and its place in history and all that stuff, it adds a lot more to it. And I, I have a much better understanding of why something is interesting or even what's even going on. And it just makes it feel like everyone should have that. If you don't understand something, you're not going to like it usually, unless you're like into still like, Ooh, I don't understand. It's so mysterious, but I feel like it's impossible to really enjoy something if you don't know what the fuck is going on at all. Mm -hmm. Strangely, I didn't quite feel like I have no idea what was going on. I mean, I did restart it to restart the book thinking, you know, I did go back to page one and read again, thinking I had no idea what was going on. I was like, no, I understood it about as well as I'm supposed to. You did better than I did because I, I threw chapters where it's like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, I got, I got, I, I thought as about as well it's possible to get. I mean, I'm not all talking about all the illusions and all the stuff like that, but it's like at least figuring out what's happening. It's like, okay. Can understand that. Fine for me when I read a book. If I don't get it, I definitely won't like it. So I understand that. But for this, the first like fifteen percent, twenty percent of the book, I was not really sure what was going on, but I liked elements of it. And then it all started kind of click together because I had read a like the blurb in the intro, like the first page of the ebook, where it's like this tells the story of, and it's like, oh, they're trying to bury a dead lady. And then I was like, oh, okay, that's the dead lady. That's the they doing the burying. Oh, I understand who all these people are. And it was still not easy. And it only became understandable like literally two-thirds through the book where I was able to, each like each chapter for the first two-thirds of the book, I would be like, oh, so-and-so is talking. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> I don't fucking know what that means. And then by the end, I had enough information to process it all. And it's, it is definitely a book that is meant to be challenging. It is not meant to be uh, just you know a, a beach read or just a, a casual read, which we should have that conversation. Like, is that, why do that at all? That's, that's, a, that's an interesting decision. But I actually really ended up liking it. And if it wasn't for the first, you know, third or so of the book where I had fucking no idea what was happening, whatever my fractions are, I got them all confused now, that I would have probably given it five stars on Goodreads. I really actually ended up enjoying the last bunch of the book. The beginning was a slog, but once I figured out what was happening, I really liked it. But I also like dead Southern ladies, so I don't know if that's a thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> Finally, a, a book about this. <laughs> it's my niche. <laughs> D-MILFs. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh, I was starting to feel by the end I could understand why some people would like it because it would occasionally. I felt like it would occasionally break into. I'm oh I'm going to write a really poignant paragraph now and then there would be a, a a paragraph or two that was suddenly said something profound and I'd be like oh. Okay, this is supposed to be the good part. Skipping over that. Uh, and then, <laughs> there, there, but there were also like, I 
maybe it's maybe it was just Daryl being crazy, but there was a, a section where he was like, and I am, but I'm not is, and That's way I earlier, yeah. is because I'm not, and I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't, I can't follow that many different, but I'm not, but I am, and I just like, holy shit, talk about not just saying what the fuck you want to say. Oh god, it annoyed me. If you know what that part is about, please let me know, because I really have I no I think clue. that part is about... Cause a lot of this book is about how each of the family members processes the death of their mother. Uh, as many people process death differently. Like, Darl loses his mind. Jewel sure. is different. We never really get a Jewel chapter. Vardaman thinks not, his mom's a fish. Vardaman you know? thinks his mom's a fish, because he's a kid, and his, his, like his way of processing it is... He killed a fish earlier. It was alive and now it's dead. It still is a fish. You know, some kind of shit about that that I can't phrase well. But I mean, I got that's what it sort was. Of thing, but it's, I it's just how, thought it was stupid. Yeah, well, he's, a, he's an eight-year-old kid. It's going to be stupid. I, I, just, I think it's just stupid to put in a book. Well, I th- the point of this thing is each character's perspective is it's different. And... Some of them are going to be stupid because they are stupid. But the, I guess the purpose of it was, like, you know, when you have an unreliable narrator, this is like having 15 unreliable narrators. And you kind of have to piece together. Okay. It's work. It is work. And is that a good thing? Not necessarily. But is it something that no one should do? You know, you got to, writers got to push. You got to make things different. It's, otherwise nothing gets better. Sometimes it works, and I'm sure I'm sure there's a million books like this that are horrendous, that tried to be creative and interesting and did not pull it off. Well, that's I mean, I ended up really liking the book, but I think this is a, the kind of book that for the average person, average reader, and probably even me, not to say I'm like better than anybody, but this is the kind of book that is more important than it is. This is capital fun G to great read. versus great. Yeah. Exactly. Like, this book is influential. This book, you know, the idea of having a bunch of different narrators telling a story from different perspectives as it progresses. I don't know of an earlier book that does this. I can't think of one right now. I'm sure, I'm sure there is. But it's a big nothing. thing in movies and TV shows nowadays. Of course. And also, more importantly, the whole plot of trying to get rid of a dead old person uh, as you try to get an abortion, <laughs> but that's where would we? If it wasn't I think for that this was book, a Vegas vacation. You know, it's it's uh, the first one, National Lampoon. It was vacation. actually the first one, yeah. and uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Oh um, yeah, neither of those films would exist without this. But also, more importantly, that's like a big part of Grapes of Wrath is getting rid of the dead granny's body or it grandpa. Did feel like this book did feel like a combination of. Oh, grapes of Wrath. And something uh, worse. And Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> oh, and Huckleberry Finn. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Huckleberry gotta, Finn, Grapes of Wrath. I got a I got a strong Huckleberry whiff from this book, but they never but, mentioned it, but I'm sure no one had shoes. No, they mentioned that the uh when she's getting looking the, for the, the Dashma Borschman uh pills, she has no shoes. Oh yeah. But I got strong, very, very potent uh 
very, very potent. Uh, what the fuck was the other book? I can't even remember Huck. now. Huckleberry Finn. No, not that one. The other one. Oh, Grapes of Wrath. Grapes of Wrath. Grapes of Wrath. Thank you. This Grapes guy, of Wrath came out this later, Black Tuesday is strong. Uh, but <laughs> Grapes of Wrath was later than this because Grapes of Wrath was during the Depression. This Whereas was 19- in Mississippi, it still is the Depression. <laughs> But 1930 was basically before the Depression. They, they, it didn't even hit there mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> but I got strong grapes. Grapes of Wrath was throughout the whole book. Like The whole family's going somewhere. They're going on this journey. It's fucked up. They all know it's a terrible idea, but they have to do it because they have no other options. And they got to carry a dead person with them for a while. Their car was better. Well, they had a jalopy instead of a team of asses. <laughs> I guess that's the difference between <laughs> Oklahoma and Mississippi. That's why the uh, the, the Montgomery uh, bus boycott didn't happen in Mississippi. Because I'm like, all right, I'll, what's you, a bus? You keep your mule. <laughs> <laughs> How many mules takes one of those large vehicles? <laughs> <laughs> so another thing I'll say about Faulkner, or, or more like, um, okay, so recently. Ken Burns just put out a series Hemingway. on Ernest Hemingway, which I have not watched. I watched one episode. It was very good. I, you know what? They're very entertaining. They are. I you just zoom in on a picture long enough, and you you picture a story. That's why this <laughs> Ken Burns is great. That's this thing. But the and I'm and I don't actually know a ton about this, but the difference between Hemingway's writing and Faulkner's writing, whereas oh. Hemingway is short sentences that get right to the point and tell you exactly what's happening. Whereas Faulkner, it's like, you have no almost no idea what's actually happening. And without making a judgment about which one of those is better, though clearly I already have, Hemingway's style of writing is almost all the writing you ever read. You know, almost every book written since Hemingway is, is in his style of the short, shorter not not shorter sentences exactly, although I'm sure that that too, but gets to the point of what you're trying to say. And you know, it's like I guess I do like that better because I didn't like this. I didn't like as they lay dying. Yeah, I and I was see that. so disappointed because I wanted to like it. I actually found an article written by E. L. Doctorow comparing. Hemingway and Faulkner, I was like, I'll never need to know this stuff. But apparently that's a thing people do because they were like, I guess they were around the same time. And it was about how Faulkner said that Ernest Hemingway lacked courage as yeah, a he writer. he won't use a dictionary. He won't send him to the dictionary. Is that that quote? Yeah. Yeah. That was like a, the, never using a word where the reader might check his usage by a dictionary. And Hemingway, because he was like, you know, the alpha bro of a time was like, you calling me a pussy? And Faulkner was like, no, I mean, your books are simple. And he's like, oh, cool. Don't worry about it then. <laughs> but it was just like, no, it's, that's you know, Hemingway's like the man's man. Like, I'm going to go fist a mountain and punch a lion to death. And Faulkner was like, I want to write weird books. Well, you know what? In, in, in uh, a testament to who was more manly, Hemingway killed himself because he was fucking suffering from all sorts of mental issues. As far as I understood from the one episode of Ken Burns that I saw, but I didn't see the whole thing, so I don't want to blame Ken Burns if I'm wrong. We don't know if he came back to life. You haven't seen the next episode. <laughs> but I could have misunderstood the episode I saw, so I'll blame Ken Burns. But Faulkner died after falling off his fucking horse, way more manly. Like, because they was, were both was, alcoholics, so. But that was Hemingway's whole fucking thing. It's like, I'm a man. I go hunting, and I shoot shit, 
and I ride horses, and I fight bulls. What's manlier than shooting the most dangerous prey, Ernest Hemingway? <laughs> the deadliest game. <laughs> Douchebags in a boat. There's nothing stronger I can kill than myself, therefore I must. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, so... I don't know if it's fair to say that we only read Hemingway-style writing. I don't think that's true. Okay, the vast majority of the way most novels are written. Well, yeah, I'm not, it's not necessarily the I, I'm not, not in necessarily the, the ones that are like oh, uh, literature professors are all about. But you know, most of the books that are written for general readers, they're more. And I okay, I don't actually know a lot about this either. I'm just kind of saying what I've heard. No, you're, but, you're right. You're right. It's Hemingway wrote straight, simple, to the point. Uh, not a lot of like complex language or, you know, flowery stuff. And people re- read that because it's easy to understand and you can still write a good story with it. It doesn't have to be crazy or written, but... And I'm not against complex language. I just want to have some idea about what the fuck is happening. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's a middle ground. I just want a clue as to what is trying to trying to happen in this you know what i would say this about hemingway you read his books it's not always clear what's going on in his books either go read fucking for whom the bell tolls or uh oh not remains of the day that's not the one i've read a bunch of them and i can't remember which one's which ever the sun also rises uh the the for whom the bell tolls is the spanish civil war one Hmm. and uh sun also rises is the bullfighting in spain book like those and then farewell to arms is his world war one book like it's not. It's it's actually kind of hard to follow what's happening in those books because he's he does like the Cormac McCarthy thing, or I guess Cormac McCarthy. I would say that Faulkner is way more like Cormac McCarthy, but but you there will be an entire page of a book of you know a farewell to arms where there's no fucking attribution for dialogue. Oh, it's yeah. just like yeah, I know, I have a. G blank 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 D blank 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 problem because it's fucking 1925 and they just kind of go back and forth and they're like and then they just say like every once in a while you're like Jews oh fuck I'm just gonna move past that like but it's you know it's not it's not easy to understand that either they're just different and I think I think posing them as the only two options is silly bullshit. I think it was just because they were the same game. time. But you know what? Honestly, I'll tell you, I've read I've read a bunch of Hemingway. This is my first Faulkner. I don't like Hemingway that much. I'd be way more interesting in reading more Faulkner than reading more Hemingway. Nate, you've the only one of us who read more Faulkner. Is it all like this? I read it in high school and I had no clue what was happening. <laughs> was so to game? say I've read more is a is a stretch. You've read at least four pages more than My us. eyes have passed over the words <laughs> of more Faulkner. That's about that's about as much as I but can is, say. is he known for I don't really know much about him besides like that he existed. He writes in this style. He writes in this stream of consciousness okay. style. The dude won the Pulitzer twice and he won the Nobel and the Prize Nobel. in literature. So he's no fucking schlub. It is definitely uh, that doesn't a reader's mean I have to like it. book. Yeah. If yeah. if I if I hadn't cheated, I would have hated it. And I you know I didn't love it, but I was like it's it's quite good, and I get why people think it's great. And I think it's definitely something that 
once you've read once and you let sit for maybe like a year and read it again, it'll be a lot easier because you know what's going on and you can kind of pick up on more rather than just holding on with your fingernails thinking, dear God, what's happening, which I did the first time. I liked it. It was hard. It was difficult. It was fucking hard. But knowing just the gist, like it's a dude trying to bury his wife over in this place. That's all I need to know. And then it was hard for like the first third to even get anything. And I'm just going to keep making up fractions for the rest of the episode. <laughs> and it, it eventually made sense. And four-sevenths was like really... <laughs> that four-sevenths next was like great. And then 53, 123rds was like, it was okay. Cunts. So my point is that the beginning part, whatever the fraction I make up on the time I'm talking about it is... It's confusing, but you figure it out. And at the end, when you have figured it out, if you're paying attention and you're a decent reader, you're like, oh, shit, I get it enough. Maybe I don't get it all. I definitely don't. I would never say I got it all. But I got it enough to follow the story through to the end. And I liked it. Whereas with Hemingway shit, I fucking did not like. Except for Old Man in the Sea. I that mean, was fine. I can't say I, I, can't say I loved I mean, the old man in the sea is the only one I've read of Hemingway or the snows of Kilimanjaro. Oh, I didn't love those ass. either. I didn't love those either. Old man in the didn't. sea was nice because it was short. Yeah, that's as opposed to every other old man fishing story. That <laughs> 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 was it was brief. It was that made it miraculous. I mean, we'll have to do more Hemingway. I, oh, I'm not looking forward to that. Faulkner is definitely a book nerd's author. It's not a book to read if you read four books a year. No, you want to. You have to be willing to work, but with no sense of how the other ones go. This was pretty short, and if you just know the gist of, you know, the, the arc of the plot that the wife dies, they have to bury her in another town. You, you if you know that. It's it's a lot easier to fill in the gaps. And if you also know that Dewey is a girl, it took me like two chapters to figure that out. Oh, that yeah. Was kind of embarrassing. That was, that was I didn't know that. Too. <laughs> also, I what do. kind of enemy is Vardaman? What does that mean? It's something in Slytherin. I don't know. It's a different <laughs> thing. It's... So who should read the book? That's very limiting. Nate would say almost no one. Oh, God. I Literature mean... professors. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you read all the other books, I liked it. I think if you want, and I don't think it's challenging, but not in the way that like Ulysses is challenging, or not in the way that oh, yeah, that's brutal. Uh, War and Peace is challenging. It's it's just it's not easy. It's not there. There are way harder books out there. It's probably the quickest challenging book. Yeah, but it's it's also because of that. It's one you could actually meet the challenge of, potentially. If you have the inclination to read this book, you should try it, is my, what I would say. If you're looking to try a Faulkner book. And only a fucking book nerd would be willing to do that. There's nobody who's like, I just finished Goosebumps. What do I do next? How's <laughs> <laughs> this Try Billy something Fox. really scary. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to... Ooh, the sound and the fury in the attic like they're not gonna jump over to faulkner like you're a book nerd if you're reading if you're interested in faulkner if if you're interested in it and you want something challenging this is not a bad book to read that's my take yeah it's good i liked it 
but I, I couldn't recommend it to anyone I know besides you two. That's that's fair because most of our friends are degenerates. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they listen to the Twilight episodes and the Fifty Shades ones, and that's it. We're waiting on you, E.L. James, for our next big money episode. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, would you say nobody? Is that what you're going to say? No. I wouldn't recommend it to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't Too know. What late. you guys said. <laughs> I... It's a real catch-22. I, I had to wonder the whole time. I was like, is this a book people like just because they think they're supposed to like it? That's really what I thought the whole time. It's just another one of those. Oh, it's supposed to be good, so I guess it's good? There's definitely some of that. Of course. Anything published before now, you have to worry about that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't. There's no one I can think of that I, that I would say, oh, you should definitely try this. No one comes to mind. What if you had a friend that was, as I lie, try curious? Would you tell them to read it? (laughs) They asked me, oh, hey, I heard you read As I Lay Dying. Should I read this? And I'd go, no. (laughs) That's my opinion. I can't, uh, in good faith, recommend this to anybody. I can't, based on my experience. It's the kind of thing where if you recommend to someone who's not prepared, not to say like we're great scholars, but who's not prepared for something like this, it's going to put them off reading. It's be like when you're a little kid in high school reading a book, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I hate reading. Yeah. It's the same effect. I was like, I don't, uh, I'll try reading again next year. No, I feel like if this was presented to someone who's like, here, here's the story. And I, I, I feel like uh, we, we use this analogy often, like you need a, a Sherpa or a guide hmm. to get through a book. I don't think you need that for this book as much. I think what you need for this book is like the right setup. And someone to say, here's the story. And it's not a very exciting story. You know, a family tries to bury their deceased matriarch. And you're like, that's weird. But what I want you to do when you read it is pay attention to who's telling the story and see how they tell it differently. That's a cool challenge for someone who reads a little bit. And I don't, I, I don't think that's what Faulkner meant at all. But it's fuck him. He's been dead for a hundred fucking years. So fuck him. Like, if if this is a famous book, and I think it's worth reading still, I think that's the way I would pitch it to somebody. Yeah. It did take me a while to realize that some stories, some chapters were the same thing from another perspective. After I figured that out, I was like, oh, this makes way more sense. Because I was very confused sometimes. You had to pay attention to who was telling the, who was telling the chapter story. And I didn't do that for the first bunch of the book. I'm not going to say another fraction. I'm going to say four-eighths. <laughs> Fuck you, Nate. I'm not reducing. So Fuck that's you. half? No. Nope. 16, 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm going to say four-eighths. I'm going to stick to four-eighths. <laughs> it, rounds, it rounds that way. <laughs> but yeah, like... but It's, it's one back, of the most important things. It is. And, and there have been so many books I've read since then for the podcast and not where each chapter is a different person and you have to you have to recalibrate. Like, what the fuck? Uh, Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones yeah. was mm-hmm. the first one that comes to mind. And you have to pay attention to that. Imagine Game of Thrones told this way. <laughs> It'd be a nightmare. <laughs> Winter is a fish. <laughs> there was a guy called the fish in it. Or the black fish. That's what it was. All right. Well, we're conflicted. But tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DrunkGuysBC. 
or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And you know, we never mentioned our Patreon, but if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash Drunk Guys Book Club and support the podcast there uh, with real live money uh, from any perspective. And you can also leave us a review wherever you're listening. Just give us all the stars you can. We need them. We're hungry for stars. And also, you can join us on Goodreads, where you can talk to us about books, because we're so lonely. Please talk to us. And uh, check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.